0: I'm Katherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Diana Cap, author and business journalist. Her new book is Girls Who Run the World, 31 CEOs Who Mean Business. After Forbes magazine published its now infamous list of the 100 most innovative leaders and included 99 men and just one woman, award-winning journalist Diana Cap thought, hmm, hell no. So she penned an open letter to the magazine's executives, enlisting at the time 37 innovative female CEOs to sign on, and therein launched innov- uh, hashtag innovation for all. Kapp's book is a celebration of triumph and perseverance, perseverance that includes the story how each entrepreneur made it big along with excellent advice to her teenage self as well as material useful for enterprising young women and girls she's written about education and entrepreneurialism for media outlets such as the new york times wall street journal L, oprah magazine and many more welcome to the show nice to have you on diana
1: hi catherine it's great to be here
0: Okay. Here's a real inspiring book for young women, which we need. Um, obviously 31 CEOs who mean business. So I, you I guess I've already described your inspiration for the book, right? Although I, I, I was online and I think one of the things that you said, you, the, I guess the defining moment was hearing Sarah Blakely's story of how I built this. This was a podcast she had. So. Talk to us about that. That sort of, it seems to me, sort of got you running and uh, thinking about... Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's really kind of been two big inspirations for writing the book. The first is um, I have a 13-year-old daughter, Emma, who, you know, she popped out of me basically with her hands on her hips, ready to (laughs) issue orders. She was... um, a powerful little thing. When she was one years old, she was ready to lead an army or a nation and definitely a business. And when you have a child like that, it sort of causes you to ask yourself the question, you know, what's going on in America today that so few women make it to the top of the business world. And around the time that that was on my mind, I I was listening to these How I Built This podcast series on NPR, which is, I recommend it highly. It's fantastic. So Guy Raz, the producer there, was uh, interviewing Sarah Blakely, and she is just this firecracker of a woman full of moxie, and she's telling the story about how she, you know, comes up with her invention one day when she's feeling, like, hot in her pantyhose, she cuts off the legs, Within a week's time, she's driving around North Carolina, um, three states away from where she lives, looking for a manufacturer who might make some prototypes for her. She cold called her way into the Neiman Marcus store to get them to carry her product. And when she went to visit the product for the first time to see how it looked in store, she notices that it's being kept you know, way in the corner, she calls it like the hosiery hinterland. So she she literally jumps into the elevator of the Neiman Marcus, runs down the block to Target, buys a small rack, and she brings it inside in her coat. She sets it up at the register and she moves all her products right to the front where it will be seen and purchased. And it's just that kind of I don't ask permission. I don't wait for someone to tell me no. You know, she's faking it till she makes it, kind of, you know, view of the world. And when I heard her telling this story on how I built this, all I can think of is my daughter has to hear this story. This is like everything she needs to know about how to operate and how to, you know, turn so many no's into yeses. So I thought... You know, young girls are not listening to How I Built This. They don't really listen to podcasts. They're not reading Fast Company Magazine and Inc., the kind of places that are writing about some of these women entrepreneurs. So that was the concept was, you know, they are getting a lot of um, opportunities to read about historical pioneers like Amelia Earhart or Sojourner Truth or Ray Jameson. But they are not learning about the pioneering women of today.
0: Why? I'm going to stop you. Why aren't? Why aren't they? Why isn't in this in? Why isn't this in their curriculum along with Amelia Earhart? But then, uh, you know, fast forward to today. Why don't? I mean, you have your daughter's. How old now?
1: Now she's 14. So I mean, you know sometimes schools bring in speakers or you know maybe she'll hear something on the news but i guess my point is that there there haven't been places where someone's collecting the stories of the young entrepreneurial women of today who are you know remaking industries whether it's you know apparel turning what used to be a buying-only opportunity into rentals to save the environment or whether it's, you know, Anne with Jiki creating genetic pests so we can all have our own personal health information like she's doing at 23andMe, these are stories that just haven't been put in one place so that they're accessible for girls, teens, and young women.
0: Uh, you know, I, I make some observations. I live in the city, in in New York City, and I I watch some of these the mothers, the young girls, and and you know, and live in a neighborhood where there are a lot of young people, and I'm a baby boomer, and maybe you can answer this question, but I see them dressed up in these uh, princess outfits and sparkly stuff, and you know, tiaras on, and I'm wondering, is that uh, is that taking a step backwards, or it's not taking a step forward? I mean. I, because that impacts young girls if you're all dressed up like that. And, and it doesn't really put you in a position to think of yourself as a CEO of a company, uh, does it?
1: Well, I mean, I think everyone should be dressing up in whatever way they think is, you know, compelling and they should be able to use their imagination and have their own heroes. But I think we need to show girls that there's all different ways to be powerful and compelling. And it's not just about beauty on the outside. It's about being creative and inventive. And um, yeah, I mean, we're living obviously in a society that still has huge cultural pressure for young girls to care about appearance and be cute and um, do well in school and, you know, all this kind of perfectionism that is, you know, I would argue is getting in the way of them, you know, thinking that their brains are what really matter and ideas are what matter and being your own person is what matters.
0: I see some of these babies, little girl babies with those, and I call them silly, like ribbons around their head. They don't have hair, but, you know, they put a big bow on their head. Uh yeah. That's right from the beginning. You're talking about when your daughter popped out. You knew that she was not. It doesn't sound like she's going to or be someone who has the bow around her head. But yeah, I mean, I see, still see so much of that. I, I'm, I'm just throwing that in because I think it really does kind of. It could. I mean, yes, express yourself, but it really what you wear and how people see you defines you know how they perceive you makes a difference so uh, i'm just it was it was
1: interesting on on this past saturday i Uh ran a panel at a big girls festival that was for um you know do-it-yourself and maker and stem kind of experiments and this 11 year old girl has created a board game called coder bunny which teaches the concepts of coding um things like sequencing and if-then statements, that you you learn those concepts by moving around the board on the board game. But what she was talking about on the panel is the fact that when she was six or seven and she had this idea that she wanted to be a CEO, she went looking at Macy's for some kind of suit that she would wear, Um And she said, you know, what's interesting is you can't find anything like that as a girl. Like, why is it that business attire is only for men? And, you know, doesn't that say something about who grows up to become a CEO? And it was really interesting. She kind of was making this connection between... Even clothing that's available for girls and then the images of what is, you know, makes a powerful leader is someone in kind of a business suit and how there's just nothing like that for girls.
0: Coder Bunny, that's the name of the uh, game?
1: That was the name of her game. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And she's sold, she's sold seven 7,000 copies of this game on Amazon.
0: Now it's time for her to go on Shark Tank. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, let's talk about Girls Who Run the World, because you've got, obviously, you have these 31 women who mean business. Um, You've talked, obviously, about Sarah Blakely's story. Who else? Because let's talk about some of of other ones whose stories are different than Sarah's, uh, but really very interesting. Yeah.
1: So um, I chose, you know, a collection of women who you know I, I didn't I wanted girls to be able to find sort of some connection to the women in the book. So I tried to have as diverse a group of women as I could find. Um so I wanted women that, you know, haven't even gone to college or, you know, one woman came up through the military. There's women in the book who are classic immigrant stories. There's people that are, you know, very pedigreed that have come through MIT and Stanford and Harvard, um, and others that went to Florida State University and Arizona State. So, I um, I chose industries from construction to biotechnology. There's um, a packaging business, a stationary business, um, ice cream. I really wanted it to be broad, and I wanted it to have hard science in it. Um, I can tell you this amazing story of Emily nunez Kavness whose business is Sword and Plow. And she was a senior at Middlebury College when she had this idea that um, she was, at the time she was ROTC in the military, and she was seeing all the waste of um, military uniforms and parachutes and tents and bags, that just get put into landfill every year. And she thought to herself, what if you could recycle this and give it a new life, something that's um, respectful because these uniforms have been used, you know, in, in a patriotic way. And so she started a bag company. She um, she hires only veterans to do all the aspects of the business. And um, it's a really interesting it's a really interesting B Corps, which is a business that has, like, many bottom lines. It's, it's um, you know, it has to have a social benefit to get this designation, which is what hers does.
0: That's a great story. So she – and she hires men and women. They the they, they have to be veterans, but male yeah, she, and female so she, both. And she
1: has, like, a jewelry designer who's a veteran who's making – um necklaces and earrings out of old bullet casings. She um uses the hardware on the bags, comes from, you know, welders that are that are veterans and the, the manufacturing and the shipping organization that she uses is veteran owned and operated. So she's she's been very thoughtful. And then she also gives it um portion of her proceeds go back to veterans organizations.
0: You know, uh, Diana, you it's said... they based out it, of Denver. Denver? Well, you, yeah. I, I think you just, you, as you described it, all of these women come from very different backgrounds, right? Education, uh, businesses. What, But what would you say is uh, the unifying, or are there unifying values or strengths that they all have, these 31 CEOs?
1: Yeah, I mean... I, this word that I've been using a lot when I've been out on book tours, sort of what unifies them to me is moxie. And basically that means just being incredibly gutsy, having cojones. Um, I'll tell you a story of Natasha Case. She is the founder and CEO of Cool House Ice Cream in Los Angeles. And she she was in architecture, um, working in architecture for Disney. And at that time there was a lot of layoffs going on and it was just like a very depressing place to be working. So she got this idea, I'm going to make architecture inspired ice cream and I'm going to bring it into work for my, for my coworkers. And she got all this amazing feedback. And then when she decided she would actually try to turn it into a business, she, she didn't have the money to rent a retail location. So she thought I will do it in a food truck at that time, food trucks weren't trendy like they are today. And what she was able to find that she could afford on Craigslist was a mail truck, uh, like an old leftover mail truck someone was getting rid of that cost $4,800. And what she found when she got it is that the engine in it didn't even work. So she had the idea that Triple A Road Service, when you sign them on, they will give you a two hundred mile free tow anywhere. So she gets the truck towed to Coachella, which is a very hip music venue in the desert two hundred miles outside of Los Angeles, where tons of young people come from music concert. And that was how she launched her business. And it was just this idea that, you know, she would buy the truck without an engine. She would come up with this idea to get it towed. She wouldn't worry about, you know, what am I going to do after that to get the truck back to Los Angeles? It was like she sort of just went for it. And it was a huge success at Coachella. And she got written up in all these blogs and magazines. And that was the launch of Cool House Ice Cream.
0: So it's not whether you can do it, but how are you going to do it? And it sounds like this is what these women...
1: Yeah, and it's it's also just like just getting started. Like a lot of these women, they don't know how to do what they're doing. They tell me, I went to the University of YouTube uh, to learn how to, you know, arrange flowers. That was the girl, Christina Stemble from Farm Girl Flowers. She founded this business working out of her San Francisco tiny apartment. She's keeping buckets of flowers in her bathtub. She's looking at YouTube videos to learn how to cut the stems, to keep the blooms alive for the longest amount of time, and how to do these arrangements that she ended up wrapping in burlap and having um, delivered by bicycle uh, messenger. And, you know, she, she didn't know anything about how any of this worked. She, does, she didn't even go to college, and she says she, you know, she goes on online courses, and she learns how to do, um, how to do her books, how to use Excel. Um, she said, you know, so much is available today that's um, very accessible. And so I would say, you know, these women are resourceful beyond all else. They figure things out as they go along. They don't wait to get started until they have it all perfect. They just dive in because really the only way to learn and to figure out your business is kind of trial and error. And that's what any entrepreneur will tell you.
0: But you have your own story as well. I mean, you went to Stanford. You have an MBA from Stanford. What was that like? I mean, I I don't know when you graduated, but uh, was the... Get you know getting into Stanford MBA program. I mean that's that's very impressive. What was the ratio of men to women, and how did you fit in, or how did you feel you fitted fitted in at the time?
1: Well, <laughs> um, when I went to business school, it was about thirty percent women, and. Um, we studied mostly about men because in 1995, which was the year I entered the Stanford Business School, that year there was zero female CEOs in the Fortune 500. So that's 25 years ago, which isn't very long. Um, but even with all this time that has passed since then, we still just have 33 female CEOs in the Fortune 500. It's 6% female um, you know, this past summer, when when one new woman got added, the Mary Winston, the CEO of Bed Bath and Beyond, and she was just an interim CEO, it was a headline making event. Um, so I think that, you know, I've really come to recognize, and I and i felt this way when I was in Stanford Business School, and I feel that way today. The business world is largely male. Women have not yet up into the kind of upper ranks very easily. Um, And so these entrepreneurial women who are founding their own companies, I think is a much easier way to break in than to work within corporate America, which seems to be so stuck in its ways um, and so slow to change.
0: So, yeah, so I guess you're saying that's, that's that moxie and that gutsiness and being creative and saying I'm going to be successful, but not necessarily in that fast track to being CEO because maybe that's just not there right now. I mean, it will be. We hope it will be. So let's do the entrepreneurial. I know the different business schools have sometimes have, um, are noted for, for sort of, getting you into different kinds, some of them like Wall Street or entrepreneurial or real estate. So uh, your experience at Stanford, what are they promoting? To be the CEO of a big company or to become an entrepreneur or to get involved in some other area of business?
1: Well, the, the year that I graduated from business school, which was 1996, That was um, when the Internet was really taking off. It was um, the very beginning of consumer businesses going on the Internet. And so a lot of people in my class um, being out in Silicon Valley and in this area where there were so many engineers and where many of those kinds of companies were getting going, um, that was definitely kind of a, a path that many were taking um, you know, I know there's always going to be people coming out of business school go to consulting and go to Wall Street, but I think it's much more popular today to um, you know, go to a startup and people are kind of intrigued by those kind of environments that are fast moving and very um, you know, wild west if you may. So, I I I'm um I'm hopeful for women um, as we become sort of a society that's more entrepreneurial, that it will present new opportunities for women. The one big limiting factor right now is that women have a terrible time getting funding. So of every hundred businesses that venture capitalists fund, just two of them are female founded. So it's 2% of all the uh, $80 billion that goes annually um, into funding by venture capitalists is for female-headed businesses.
0: Diane, is that because they don't know how to get the funding or just because there's prejudice and they don't want to fund businesses that women are running or or a combination of both?
1: It's really, it's it's there's like so many different factors and I think it has to do with the venture capitalists who are largely male um, doing something that they term pattern matching, which is kind of looking for the same kinds of people and businesses that they've seen succeed in the past. They're trying to take as much risk out of their decisions as they can, because they're trying to make money. And the women on the same hand are, you know, women typically Um, lack confidence, and do not make the big asks that men do. So when they go in and paint the picture of their business, and what are what's the, you know, 10 year possibility, they don't kind of paint the dream and sell the big idea and sell the big money making. They, you know, they're full of kind of caveats. And, you know, giving kind of the the worst-case scenario. And that's something that a number of women venture capitalists have talked about and have said that they feel that real work needs to be done to help women entrepreneurs, you know, be more confident in selling themselves and their ideas, um, because that really makes a difference when you're in a pitch meeting ask for money.
0: That, it's a great uh, topic to end on. Well, we have two more minutes left, so give us a website or websites we can go to for information about the book and what you are doing. Um,
1: so I'm, uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at girls who run the world book. I have a personal website, www.dianacaff.com. And that's K a P P. Um, you can find out a lot of information about the book and a lot of articles that I've written about, um, I just did a piece in the Washington Post, How to Raise a Female CEO, and that has some of the background on, you know, how were these girls raised, what kind of parenting did they have, um, what were some of the factors that really made a difference.
0: That's great. Diane, Diana, Diana Cap, Girls Who Run the World. Great talking to you today. I learned a lot of great new... Great to talk to you, yeah, Catherine. Great. Thank you.
1: Take it easy. Bye.
0: Bye.